Joe, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brian Jump. Nice to be here today. It is nice. Before we get started, I thought that you could give us a short rundown of your history and how you came to be here in Pittsburgh playing music and having a good time. Yeah, hi. My name's Joel Lindsay. Um, originally from London, England. I moved to Pittsburgh, uh, I'd say, 11 years ago. God, has it really been that long? It has been. I came here originally for just a short visit. Um, I'd met my then-girlfriend, Amy, who was... Um, studying in in london she was getting a master's degree we met um make a long story short came for what was supposed to be just a visit to pittsburgh and that was 11 years ago um but when i met her in london i was just a a long-haired musician didn't play any cover tunes was a s- avid songwriter played in a band you know we had a uh, some friends and some people that that came out to see us regularly had a good band and one day, had a, had what we thought was a good gig, made absolutely no money out of it, felt frustrated and said to Amy, let's, uh, you know, let's try and spend some, some time. And that's how we ended up moving to Pittsburgh eventually. We are grateful to have you here. And uh, I remember those days of the long hair and the original band. You still have an original band. You guys just play slightly fewer gigs than you used to. That's right. Um, so early on, uh, living here in Pittsburgh, I set up the, the band Boulevard of the Allies, um, and it was an you know original band, rock band. Um, we played some good gigs, and um, you know I played with some great musicians through the years, including playing with you, Brian. Um, so yeah, I've had the opportunity to play with some great musicians here in Pittsburgh. But I guess in most recent years, um, the band don't play quite as much as we used to. We recorded two albums, which we were very proud of. But um, the last few years, my main focus has been um, working in the private event world. Slightly less fun and rock and roll, but um, I guess I had to grow up at some point and try and make some real money. Yeah, something like that, right? Still trying to make some real money, but I mean, I'm on the right path now. Yeah, well, you know, it was a good lateral shift from my point of view. You're an excellent musician, and I always enjoyed playing with you. Your bands have been exemplary. So you've been doing this a long time, and you've gained plenty of experience and success with music performance. So I'd like to ask you about your commitments to professionalism. In my opinion, you're one of the most disciplined musicians that I know. So could you tell me and our listeners here about your routines or habits uh, that you use to maintain excellence and your skills and abilities? Do you practice every day? Do you listen to a lot of music? So what's going on here? I don't practice every day. I mean, I've got a guitar always close at hand when I'm at home. Um, And actually, um, my wife and I have... Amy, we have a son, Levi, um, who's 10 months old. And like most people, you know, we spend a lot of time at home working at our computers for too long. But now when I've got Levi in the room, um, he's in his his little space um, in our office. And he points at the guitar hanging from the wall right right next to me. I've got my big um, uh, Gibson J185. The Jumbo? Yeah, the big Jumbo. That thing is just up on the wall. And uh, I don't play. I didn't used to play it as regularly, but now Levi, from down on the ground, he points at the guitar and he laughs, and he's trying to tell me to play to him. So, and it's amazing because when he does that, it's 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 his way of telling me you've you've not you know you've been ignoring me or you know you're you're not playing enough guitar. So it's time to get the guitar down from the wall. So at that moment, I always put him on my lap and I'll get the guitar and. 
I'll try and play play a little bit with him on my lap and he loves it it's the the best thing um so far is just how he responds to music it's it's amazing he can't talk yet but music just makes him smile and it makes him so happy and that, that obviously makes makes Amy and I really happy too because we're both professional musicians that's fantastic man what an incentive to practice that is it is it's, it's amazing he really does say to me without saying it come on it's guitar time it's, it's right there man guitar. it's right there it's beautiful yeah it's uh you know we all get bogged down with spending so much time on the computers whether we're running our own businesses or you know just checking email and that kind of thing we we spend too long doing that kind of thing so we need something or someone to say you know enough of that let's let's get back to the things that we enjoy or we know we should be doing so since Levi's come along I've been practicing playing and um, even starting to write music again which I haven't done in a long time I used to be all about writing music but I must admit, you know, the last couple of years, I just I haven't been writing as much as I used to. Yeah, you got to flex that muscle, right? You got to keep it oiled up. You do, but it's hard to to do that unless you're inspired. I mean, how do you tell yourself? Yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's, it's time to write a song. You know, it's just not how it works. Yeah, t- totally not. No, you can you can try, and uh, you know, you hear these stories, guys like you know Paul McCartney, and how he wrote these songs in in a minute or five minutes. That's for me, that's never been the case. I might have the hook or an idea for a song that quickly, but you know, you mull over the lyrics and you 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 know you think about the arrangement of the song. Maybe that means my songs are too complicated or it's got too many. Parts no, you're right. So. It takes a lot of time and attention to make it right. You got to mull over the details. Yeah, even even for a simple song, sometimes you have to write too much to know what you don't want. And then you take away those things, and you're left with just the good bits. Well, what about staying in performance shape and performance itself? I know that you've you've played with many musicians and participated in many performances. Well, since since I've since I moved to Pittsburgh, I have been working very very hard as a musician, much harder than I did really back home. Because going back to my long haired um, kind of hippie days of of back home in London, I I I once said. I would never learn a cover tune. I, I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to be a songwriter. Yeah. But it's only when I moved here and I was super poor, didn't have any money. Um, I met a few guys who were working around town in Pittsburgh and they were making a living playing in bars and restaurants and clubs and casinos, playing these two, three, four-hour gigs. And I'd never done that before. I didn't know any tunes. Um, and I didn't know that you could make money doing that. I didn't know you could make a living doing it. So... That's something that I quickly immersed myself in when I first moved to Pittsburgh was playing these bar gigs um, and working really hard, playing for hours until your, your fingers hurt. That's right. You know, putting in those hours, um, I think that's when I... Those are the kind of gigs that will really... Um, where a musician really improves their musicianship, right. their techniques. Um, I was never trained as a musician, but I think regarding things like vocal technique we you know when you're playing gigs for as long as that you just naturally improve your technique to be able to play that many gigs in a week or sing for that long without losing your voice so you got to make it to the finish line so your technique improves just to be able to pull it off essentially exactly your your breathing techniques the way you support and also your guitar technique as well you know for the longest time i didn't i didn't use a pick i was always just a a fingerstyle guitarist, but um, I think it was I was playing this, these five-hour gigs at a casino um, 
once a week or once a month in uh, West Virginia. I would drive down and play this five-hour gig. And I think just one day my fingers were hurting so much. I'm, I'm going to start using a pick and then I, I never look back. That was many years ago now. but Well, it's good that because you have a hybrid approach now because you can still play with your fingers just fine and you can go to it if you need it. Absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely good to be able to either be a, you know, be a finger-style player and to be able to use a pick. You'll definitely utilize those two things over the course of a, of a five-hour gig. If you can yeah. Do both. Hey, I was the same way when I was first playing. I was in original bands for the most part and swore off playing covers unless it was our favorite song, you know. As soon as I saw that, you, like you did, that you can make money here and not only that, your skill set improves vastly by doing it, playing these long gigs, you end up being a better musician having done so. So I'm grateful to play covers. I find a lot of artistry there too. I think there's room to add your own personal touch to even the most vanilla cover. Even playing Brown Eye Girl, there's there's some content there, and there's room to be a, a fine musician. What do you think about that? Do you agree? I completely agree. I think learning other people's music is a great way of just learning about song structure. It will definitely inspire you. Um, I became a better songwriter when I actually learned more cover songs. You know the way certain chords go together or vocal expressions. Um, you know other people's lyrics. It's 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 kind of like if you wanted to be a writer, you would you would read a lot of books. So if you want to be a great songwriter, you would yeah same exact thing yeah same thing. So um, I I absolutely am glad that I I don't know how many cover songs I play, but I have worked hard to be able to play many and and like you said, I um, I too also interpret along the way. Very rarely am I kind of playing the song exactly as um, the original musician um, was playing it. Um, you know, and I, I try and add my own elements to each each song. Yeah, that's right. And back to your discipline, you have a fine collection of videos of you performing these covers. And that goes back to your, in my opinion, your ability to, to focus and, and to be disciplined, become a better player. It's pretty amazing how many videos you have. The, the reason I make these videos, I make these for the clients that I work for. So a lot of the time I'm asked to learn a song or two for a wedding um, or a private event. Um, specifically with weddings, I'll play for the first dance or I might play for their ceremony. So the client will get to hear a sample of that song. So I'll, I'll learn it. And it's normally just a, a quick um, video that I've made on my phone, but it still gives the client an idea of, you know, just what it sounds like. And it proves to the client that I have learned it. Yeah. And I, you know, if I send it, I like to send the client maybe a, a month before the wedding. It just, it just it, shows yeah, that it, I haven't just learned this. I can imagine that, you know, for a wedding and the preparation for a wedding, there's a lot of anxiety there. And it's just one less thing for them to worry about. If you're like, hey, check this out. I, I did learn the song for you. Yes. In, in my opinion, they're well-performed too. So it's not, I mean, they might be off the cuff from your point of view, but it's not like you're making mistakes or breaking down or whatever. They're well-performed. And I know that you've performed a lot. Have you ever seen performances fly off the rails? Have you ever been a part of a, a debacle? You know, not necessarily your fault, or maybe playing with the wrong musicians. I don't think so. I've, I, I mean, I'm pretty selective, and I mean, not, to be honest with you, not really. I mean, the musicians that I play with, I've been very lucky to play with them. They've all been really good. One of the things that occurred to me when I first moved to Pittsburgh was how good the musicians were, and I, I've played with some, some really great ones. I mean. 
honestly, I mean, if anyone's making a mistake in the band, it's probably me singing a little flat. Um, yeah, well, you know, the, the musicians are the ones that I have played with and, and do play with are all very proficient. That's the formula, right? Make yourself the worst, the weakest link. That's right. Yeah, but I, I really can't complain. Complain. I've been I've been lucky to play with some some great musicians. I gotta say, by the way, going going back to the the video thing that you were just talking about. Um, for, if anyone, if you don't record yourself once in a while, that's a mistake. I I think that yeah, I'm I'm someone who's hypercritical of myself. Um, yeah, it's you know, good to be that way. Yeah, I mean, as as far as the singing, I, I really I, I'm always striving to have as good pitch as I possibly can. You know, I want it to sound clean. Um, clean is is kind of an imp- uh, an important word to me as far as it is important. The, the, music the way that i sing and play guitar i think that's something that i'm always striving to refine clean vocal having something that doesn't sound strained or painful i think um you know 10 years ago i i sang and i listened to recording i think i sound strained and it, it, it wasn't that pleasant of a sound but over the last you know decade i've really been striving to just create a nicer sound with my vocal and i think with that comes better technique. If you're breathing the right way, you're going to create a more pleasant sound. Yeah, certainly clean. Your technique is clean all around, and that goes a long way to how excellent your performances are. Thanks, man. And videos certainly help. My outfit, The Vagrants, we started recording every show, and then my job is to to go through these shows and to find the good performance here or there. I mean, they're peppered in there. I mean, there's there's a lot of substandard performances or ones that don't deserve a video but right. it has the same effect though I, I get to listen to myself and and be critical exactly when right. you when you watch a video back of yourself i mean one thing is in a gig in a in a performance setting you know you say you film that you watch it back you say all right well it was live there was a sound system the the situation wasn't quite right i shouldn't have drunk 12 beers before yeah, the excuses, gig it, it excuses yeah but if you're at home and, and there's no one else around and you point your phone at yourself yeah, okay. and you record a song, you know, why is that out of tune? Or why doesn't that sound right? There's no one to point the finger to there. Yeah. And, and so that's been a really big thing for me is filming these these little videos for these clients. I watch that back and I say, I can do that better. And honestly, you know, if, if you see me post one of these little videos, it's, there's no way I'm posting the first my first try. Yeah, for sure. It takes... There's a, a lot of takes that go into it. When I do the at-home videos, there's it's, who knows, man, I could have played the song 25 times before I finally got it. Right. And and talking about, let's say, like studio recording. Studio recording is, is very stressful and it can be expensive. But if you, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm giving advice, but in my, in my opinion, you know, if you're going to go in the studio, record yourself before you go into the oh, studio, yeah. before you start spending money, listen back and say, How's that vocal technique? How's that tone? How's that, you know, whether it's the vocal, guitar, any instrument you play? You know, if you record yourself beforehand, you know, you can be critical of yourself before you get into the studio and you're spending a lot of money on getting it wrong, you know, That's over right. and over. Pre-production, and you're not bamboozling yourself. You have an honest view of, of what it is that you can do. And then you, you're not rudely awakened by the producer in the studio or the engineer when he or she says, uh, yeah what's going on here? You should yeah. probably do that again. And, you know, some people get defensive, but really if you put in the legwork of listening to yourself critically beforehand, then you can really avoid unhappy situations like that. Absolutely. I think I think recording yourself will also break any delusions of grandeur. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you can w- watch yourself back and 
be critical, you, you get a much more honest sense of, of, of where you are and how you can improve. Um, you know, you've, you've got to be recording yourself. You've got to be watching it back. When it comes to the songs that you choose, besides the ones that you do for clients, do you have any philosophies or repertoire? Are there right and wrong songs to learn? Do you lean into the hits? Do you like to learn deep cuts? Do you have any uh, any thoughts in this department? I'm not. I, I'm not one of these. I mean, I have a ton of songs that cover tunes that I play. There's no doubt about that. But what makes me learn them? I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but I, I'm not really a fan of. Any particular? I mean, I got my I got my favourite genres, but a, a good song is a good song to me. I mean, there are some cover tunes that I play that I got friends who are like, "Damn, I can't believe you play that tune." Like one song that I play quite regularly. It's kind of you might say it's kind of cheesy, but let's for example, I'll play "Top of the World" by The Carpenters. Top of the world, looking down on creation and the owner. That's the wrong key, but you get the idea. Yeah, people love that song. Though, it's man. just this. Yeah. It's just this cute little song. Um, you know, and it, it it's cheesy, but it's just it's just a bunch of chords and a melody, um, and it's just a, a happy little song. So that's that's just a random tune that that I play. So if I if I if there's a song that I like the melody and, and the lyrics, then I'll normally throw it in. But yeah, so you don't feel compelled to stick to the top forty at all cost. Definitely not. I mean, I don't know what the top forty is, but and and also I think because I'm coming from England, I think my repertoire is maybe a little bit different to a lot of um, Pittsburghers. I mean, I'm, it's not that different, but certain c- certain musicians that I automatically cover, guys like, have you heard of Eric Clapton? Um, the Kinks, obviously the Beatles, I, ge- I guess everyone plays all that stuff, but, you know, those those are kind of my, my go-to uh, kind of artists. Well, what about the bar and venue owners? I mean, I think they do have some expectations of sticking to what it is that people know. I think it goes back to, I mean, hang on, but, well, bar and, you know... Bars, restaurants, there's a lot of different types of bars and restaurants. And I think a good musician, one thing that I think I pride myself on is that I can play in a a cocktail bar, which is very kind of low key, but I also have the gear to go up and, and play in like a noisy, smoky, you know, a bit more of a rock and roll place. I think you've, if, if, if you're in the, the bar scene, if you're a, you know, self-employed musician, you kind of got to be able to, could have Playing. a wide range. You yeah, know, you got you, you got to have a range. You you could even play, you know. One another thing that I do, I, I got um, songs that I can play in two different keys. So um, you know, let, that's interesting. Yeah, so like I I've got I've got a, one song that I could play in a lower key and kind of make it a little schmaltzy and jazzy, or I take it up and I'll I'll kind of rock it out. Um, I think bar okay, owners yes. they're looking for a tone that you know they they want they're more interested in you creating the vibe rather than playing a certain repertoire. Yeah, I mean, that, that is our duty. I think there, there is some confusion there. I mean, have you run into the, the bar manager or, or venue owner that sort of expects the cover band to have some sort of following or for you to be bringing people to the door like you're an original band? I think it depends on the situation, but I mean, you've got to be realistic. If someone's yeah. running a business, you know... Yeah, you're it's, right. It's, yeah. Fr- it's frustrating, but you've got. I think you have to be realistic. If it's a music venue where there's a stage and stuff, yeah. You, if you want to play, then you got you got to draw some people. But it's, if it's a bloody restaurant, you know, that they, they a restaurant provides a nice environment for people to come and have dinner. It's not the musician, you know, playing back. You know, our job is to play background music. Yeah, sometimes. If, if we're hired to play background music, then I don't think that we should 
be expected to um, draw a crowd. Yeah. We just got to keep people there happily drinking and eating and, and not offend anybody and just play some songs that they enjoy hearing. Yeah, it's 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 a frustrating one. It's frustrating when when a venue um, have that expectation of, of the musician. Yeah, you've heard the conversation though, right? I mean, you've had this conversation before. It's rough. Yeah, it's it is rough. It's very frustrating. Yeah. It's very frustrating, but, you know, I think, look, bar and restaurant musicians probably get paid more than people expect them in, in, in some circumstances. So... We have a responsibility. I mean, we're there playing music for three hours, but there's just got to be yeah. an understanding. Um, yeah, the, I think that sometimes there's sticker shock from bar and venue owners, but really when it comes down to it, what we're doing, when it, we're hauling gear, we're running the sound, we're playing for three hours straight, you know, with uh, short breaks typically, and then tearing down and then doing it all over again uh, the next night usually. Yeah. I mean, that is, that, that's an expensive service. There's there's a restaurant in, a, I'm not going to name them, but there's a restaurant in Cranberry that just went under. And uh, I don't live anywhere near Cranberry. I, I played there once in a while. And maybe I'd bring like, uh, maybe 10 people would come out and see me playing this place. Anyway, they were real ball breakers over. Well, you don't bring enough people. We can't keep hiring you in this place. And it's just a restaurant. Anyway, they just went out of business last week. I was really sorry Yeah, so that. you weren't the only thing they were mismanaging. Ex- exactly. But... Uh, you know what? Why they were expecting me to keep their business going is sometimes. Sometimes it's just ludicrous, and you say, "You know what? This, this is. You know, I'll just go. I'll go and play somewhere else." Because there are plenty of bars and restaurants yeah. that they just want a good musician to create a nice environment, and the restaurant. You know, if they're doing things right, they are not relying on the uh, singer and guitar player standing standing in in the yeah, corner. Yeah, we're just sort of it's an accoutrement there. What yeah. we're added bonus. Exactly. That's not to say, like we said, though, there's not. There are venues where, you know, maybe there's a stage and there's, you know, there's yeah. lights and there's someone running sound, and it, obviously it's different. But, you know, when it comes to a, a little restaurant gig, we, we, those yeah. restaurant gigs can, are, are the most fun and enjoyable when we don't have the pressure. Of, yeah, I love that. I love non-pressure gigs where, and then you have a good time anyways, and then people usually like you, and you sing the songs yeah. that they like, and people start to dance. I, I like that stuff. It, it can't hurt in a restaurant. It can't hurt to bring. To bring some people, obviously. You know, yeah, it, totally. I mean, we do we do our best, you know. We advertise the gig. We make the Facebook event. Right. We post the videos. We do what we can, right? Right. As long but, as the the bar or venue owner or manager sees that you're at least trying that, and then uh, really we can't be faulted there. Right. They should be They should be more interested in just making sure that the musician's doing their job right. Yeah. Creating the right atmosphere. And making sure, I mean, there should be some quality control. I mean, there's some there's some folks out there that are a little bit towards the amateur end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think that many performing musicians are mixed up about volume. Right? We're not there to bite people's faces off with amplitude. That's right. And, and some, I just see a lot of confusion here. Um, any comments? Do you agree there? I do. I, I think with experience comes just knowing how to deal with every gig. Because every, every gig is different. And, um, you know, if, if you're an experienced musician, you know where to set the volume. Yeah. I, I've, got, I've got this expression. Um, it's kind of a dumb expression, but I'll tell you. Uh, my expression that I came up with is no musician playing at a country club ever got asked to turn up. Let me say that again. Yeah. No musician at a country club was ever told that they were playing too quietly. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> um, My ethos here is to almost start too soft and ask to be turned up. And exactly. it happens often. And then 
then you're not uh, getting anyone in trouble there. People want to be able to sit and talk to each other, have a conversation, and they can't do that if you're just blaring your whatever out That's of your right. speakers. Whenever I set up for a you know a bar restaurant gig, I ask myself, I, I try and imagine myself, you know, being that that guy sitting out there, or there's a couple and think, well, what would I want to hear? You know, what volume yeah. do I want to hear? But what repertoire? Going back to the question of what songs to play, I, I think well, what, what what kind of songs might they might they like? I sometimes yeah. try and try and guess. So I might look at, you know, there's a middle-aged woman or there's a couple of young guys. And I think, how can I engage them? What am I going to play? I don't. I want to surprise them. I think it's cool. You know, as as far as repertoire, I like to. I love the response of, wow, I haven't heard that song in a long time. Well, yeah. that, that was cool that you didn't just play Brown Eyed Girl. You did something that was, you know, a little edgier or just something that other musicians aren't necessarily playing. That's key, man. That's really wise to, to pull things out that are still popular songs, but it's not part of the typical bar band canon, right? Play some R&B, you know, P- play some country, deep cut country. You know? That's right. Yeah. It's, I mean, keep, keep it interesting. <laughs> but at the same time, I am, I'm not the musician who will say no. I mean... If there's a bunch of people and they're having a good time and they want yeah. to hear Sweet Home Alabama, I'll be like, I don't like, care. You know I'll, I'll play Sweet Home Alabama twice in a row. Yeah. You just better, you know, people who complain about having to play stuff like that, oh, they're, they're like, well, you better nail it. If You know, if, if you've got that attitude, you know, if yeah, you're, if you're right. bored of playing that song, you better play that as well as Leonard Skinner. Yeah, Otherwise, you know, keep, that's, keep I playing. like it, man. I like that. I mean, that's a pretty severe point of view, but you're right. You're right. Why are you complaining if you can't do it right? We were just talking, Brian and I were talking before we started recording about, you know, how we're lucky that we, we get to play as musicians. And I, I remember yeah. that every day. And gratitude, um, a little bit of gratitude here. Yeah, I, I mean, I heard a story about uh, there's a, a, a musician who works, you know, he plays the bar scene, but he has a family. He's the breadwinner, and he does that through being just um, a local musician. And he said to his his dad one time, he said, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to make it as a, a big star. I don't think I'm going to make it as a musician. And his dad said, said to him, what do you do for a living? He said, I, um, I work as a full-time musician. He said, well, you've made it. <laughs> yeah, man. You're, you've already arrived. Yeah, if, you, if you're lucky enough to... Have stayed with music and you, and you make a living doing that, then you should. I guess you should feel proud of yourself for sticking to it, because for me, I've I I guess my mantra is I never wanted to work a cubicle job. So you know, keep sticking to the music. Don't don't yeah, give in to the cubicle. Yeah, you just gotta persevere, right? If you keep doing it, you keep getting better, you're getting better gigs. Even even our worst gig that we have to play is still better than some than of the, a cubicle. Yeah, just the mundane. Um, crappy yeah that's soul sucking man yeah so you you know we were just talking about um, performing on St. Paddy's Day and how crazy it can be what we have to endure a little bit of complaints there from my point of view we're complaining but we're complaining oh you know oh it sucked that people were so crazy while we were up there performing and we got to drink three pints of Guinness and got a paycheck and wore whatever clothes we wanted and had a good time and you know, it's it's kind of silly that we complain yeah, about that. Yeah, you're right. I played a great gig this past St. Paddy's Day. Lots of people, they were really engaged, and everything was fine. The key was no one got too drunk. Have you ever been to a gig where people are so drunk and unruly that they're, like, bumping into you, they're jostling the mic stand into your teeth and just being super annoying with requests? I, used, I think that's what I'm yeah, talking man. about there. Yeah. Didn't you? Don't you play Oliver Twist? I, I used to. Oh, yeah. I used to play at Mario's on in the south. Yeah, Mario's side. and Oliver Twist are like the. <laughs> uh, that's where that. I played there nine till one every Sunday for like 
three years. It's an experience. Those, yeah, those were interesting. But it's a, you know. Those were interesting. Those are the kind of gigs, though, where, you you know, you're really kept on your toes because the, the requests are coming in fast. So, you know, try and be <laughs> able slurred. to. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be able to, you know, if you can play that sublime song, you're being requested or some, oh, yeah. you know, some random rascal flats country tune. You know, if you can, if you can deliver that. They, they, they respond. Yeah, they respond. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, often I'll get requested a song and maybe I don't know it. So I'll say, I, I don't know that, but, you know, I've got this. So, you know, yes. with, all, with all the cover tunes that I've learned over the years, I think I've, I've, I've just, I've learned so many and I, and I think it's pretty spread out. You know, I've got my country and, and rock and even some modern, you know, pop tunes and indie. So if I can't play the cover tune someone's wanting, then I've, I've probably got something close. You can get in the ballpark, right? Something them. in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that particular Johnny Cash song, but uh, how about this one? Right. And, and speaking of bar gigs, you know, the thing about song requests... I appreciate the fact that people are engaged and can even be bothered to come up and, yeah, and have a right. chat and want to hear a song. That means they like you. So there are a lot of musicians saying, oh, I don't want to take requests. <clears> yeah, that's it's right. It's like, well, you know, they, this person respects you enough to want to hear your rendition of, of this song. That's and, a good way to know. put it, man. Well, it's all about, uh, you know, relativity. You know, just how should we look at this? Should we take it as an, a nuisance or should we be grateful? And, right. Uh, I, li- I like your angle on things. It's way yeah. better. And it's another thing regarding those those bar gigs is is the tip jar thing, you know. I don't I don't care about getting applauded, and I don't I don't really care about. I mean, it's nice to come home with some money in your tip jar, but you know, there's sometimes there'll be the guy who's making requests all night long, and he, he might be a ball breaker, and then he doesn't put anything in the tip jar. But one of these days, I'm going to write a song yeah. about what even one dollar represents. You know, that okay, person yeah. who just puts a dollar in. It doesn't. It's, it's not about the monetary value of, of that the dollar. The gesture of it, man. It's like respect and acknowledgement that you exist. Yeah, it's. Yeah. You know, even if someone just comes up to you after you've played a grueling four-hour gig somewhere and you felt like no one was listening to you, and then somebody comes up to you and says, "Hey, man, you did a really great job." It's like, wow, thank you. That that kind of made my night. You it know, does yeah. A mil- million know, little conversations I, like that. that it's happen. not. It's not that we need a pat on the back, or we, we don't need you to tell us that we're great. It's just an acknowledgement that we're here. We're here. We're working hard, playing music, and that you acknowledge that we were here. I tell you something that that somebody said to me once that really stuck with me. One of the gigs that I play is I perform for the veterans once a month, um, and so I'm I'm playing. That's what venue? Uh, this it's just off of Delafield Avenue. It's VA the VA, VA hospital. The VA hospital. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what the exact <clears throat> yeah, name, yeah. name of the place is. Um, but I've been playing there for a long time. Um, oh, that's great. And this older gentleman at the end of my performance, he said to me, "You're very good at what you do." And it's like that was such a concise and sweet little thing. But like, what a nice thing to say to somebody is yeah, as easy as that is. Totally, man. If, if if you're a bricklayer, you want to hear that. Yes. I mean, that, that night, Amy and I went out for a drink. There was a, a waitress serving us. She was great. And then at the end of the night, you know, I just said to her, hey, you're, you're really great at what you do. Just paid it forward, man. And it was such a, yeah. So next time somebody does something cool, tell them you're really great at what you do. Right. Nice and concise. You know, no frills to yeah. the point. Yeah. Makes you feel makes, good. Make somebody's day with something as, as easy as that. Wow, that made that, that almost made this worth doing today, Brian. The fact oh, that we got, we got that out. Yeah, f- finally. Almost. We, we got the clarity of purpose. By the way, can we erase everything that we've said so far? In this yeah, let's just start over I'm again. Just, yeah. yeah, I know. I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. This is great. I'm having a good conversation. These are the types of conversations that I'm 
that I want to have on this podcast, right? I think I, I think musicians want to vent. This is good for venting. Yeah, the, I I hope that more musicians might find uh, the conversations I'm having on chasing the chords compelling because I, I think there is some content here, especially with a good guests like you, Joel. So, thanks, man. Thanks. I mean, I think the the bottom line for me living here in Pittsburgh, a guy from London, is that this this city of Pittsburgh has been very good to me. I've you know I make my living here. I've I've had to work very hard at it, but I've carved out. A living going from working in bars and restaurants just hustling getting as many gigs as I can um, and now running my own business this private event business Joel Lindsay Entertainment if you want to check us out um, so I work as a musician as well as a DJ and MC uh, my wife Amy is a wedding efficient but we have a videographer we have variety of live music ensembles that people can book um, and we do lighting as well so we've been expanding the business the whole time but all the while at the core of it is my being a musician, that's that's kind of the, yeah, that's, the, 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 big the, the anchor. Yeah, that's what holds it all together. Right. And, and yeah, you really you really have carved out a, a good successful business here. Thank you. And uh, I, I wanted to to ask a, a fun question on this topic, and I'm sure you know weddings are stressful. Everyone's under a lot of pressure, and I know that there there can be some some aggravated brides out there. Have you ever dealt with a? Uh, you know, a nightmare bride. Have you ever had to swoop in Adam Sandler wedding singer style and save some unhappy situation from spiraling out of control? I you am, have any good stories here? I'm the like accommodating British gentleman wedding dude. Um, I'm all about making the brides happy, and uh, you know, obviously there is That's there is some, you for. there's some stress, yeah. But I mean, it's. It's it's a hard job because it's someone's most important day of their life. It is, yeah. And I've got this huge job of making the whole <clears throat> event run smoothly from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pressure on you. To answer your question about, I mean, last this time last year, obviously I'm not going to name any names, and uh, every wedding I've done has been an absolute pleasure, and I've never had a, a nightmare bride. They've all been wonderful. But there, <laughs> there, there was an occasion last winter where... Um, the, the young girl, the bride, wanted to have her ceremony outside, and it was 14 degrees out. Oh, man. Um, and everybody was there in, the, in their coats looking pretty unhappy. It was a gloomy day. It yeah. was a farm wedding. And, um, you know, I... She wanted uh, those pictures, man. We knew we knew that the wedding was always going to be outside, but we just saw the temperature was 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 dropping, and then you had to then it, it came. Had to go inside at that point. I just, I just said to myself, <laughs> i got a job to do. I'm not going to be out here for very long. You know, I've got my jacket on. I just got to power through it, you yeah. know. Just fingers like, cold, man. Oh, I can't even tell you. That was what I was gonna say. My hands, I couldn't feel my fingers, but I guess you know it's muscle memory. I've been yeah. doing doing this a long time. I honestly couldn't feel my, yeah, my weird, left man. hand. Yeah. I couldn't feel my fingers or what they were doing. I could. I was See. looking at my hands like I'd yeah. only been playing for three months. Um, but you know, it was just a few simple songs I had to play for the ceremony, and I I got through it. But that was. Absolutely brutal. And I, my whole yeah. body was shaking and I was singing as well. Oh, man. Natural vibrato. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but that was that was an experience. But every wedding every wedding is different. And um, another thing that we were saying, Brian, about how, you know, you've got to take the good with the bad with, with, with being a musician, whether it's, you know, private, private gigs or, you know, restaurant bar gigs, whatever. Some of the gigs that we play are super easy. We're just playing some backgroundy stuff. We get a paycheck. Easy. And other ones, we've got like a nightmare load-in where we've got to take freight yeah. elevators and corridors. And, <laughs> yeah, dolly you know, rides. We're, we're dressed up in our suits or tuxedos. You know, 
no two gigs are the same, but I, I think if you choose to be a musician doing the kind of thing that we do, you got you got to take the good and the bad and yeah, just right. be professional and, about it. Exactly, be professional and 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 just kind of get on with it. And that's always been my my philosophy. If you if you choose to whatever you choose to do in life, you know, professionally, you got to give it a hundred percent. And yeah. um, especially if you're self-employed, I think my dad said to me. Um, when I when I was starting out, he said, "Look, if you want to be a, a, a professional musician, you still have to get up in the morning early, and, and you got to yeah. start working. You can't stay in bed all morning. You've got to treat it like a job." So, um, and I, you know, pretty much since he 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 said that to me, I, that, that's what I do. I, I spend the whole day. If I'm not performing, I'm creating opportunities. You know, I'm I'm networking. You're hustling, man. Yeah, he's, he's got to work hard. Got to work hard. I do. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's you what, have a great work ethic, and, and I really admire that about you. Uh, thank you. I mean, it's it's all about just filling up your calendar and making sure that you've got the income coming in, so that you can pay the bills and you can stay busy. Because you know that's that that's your livelihood. You've got to set it up in advance. And a successful musician is one who looks at their calendar and looks at the weekends and just they're solid. They're booked solid. And that's I think that's another reason why I got into the the wedding industry. I mean. Um, you can book so far in advance. We book so far in advance, so I, I'm guaranteed of of that that pay coming in, so I can have that peace of mind knowing that um, you know we're booked up. And we when we started out, we didn't have that many weddings, and now we we do between like forty five and fifty five or sixty weddings a year. Yeah, that's tremendous. Um, and that's aside from you know the I still do the bar and yeah, restaurant the bar gigs stuff. and the small stuff, but the you know. You know, there's the idea of a musician selling out. And, oh, whatever. And, and, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happily selling out. It's 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 good advice, Joe, to, to wake up early and take it seriously like a job. And I've, I've tried to take that, that advice seriously myself. So uh, I think this uh, marks a, a good point to, to wrap it up. Joel, I, I appreciate you coming on. Maybe we can wrangle this podcast to a close by playing a song or two. So uh, thanks a lot, Joel. Could you uh, please tell our listeners uh, where they can uh, find you online? What, you know, what is your uh, Twitter handle or uh, Facebook? Uh, I mean, if you, if you just Google British, no, um, I was going to say something really derogatory about myself. I won't do that. <laughs> hey, um, just search Joel Lindsay. Although there, there's another Joel Lindsay somewhere, but but don't don't go to his website. Yeah, he's not nearly as good. Um, Joel Lindsay, British Pittsburgh. Those sort of words will get you there. I mean, JoelLindsay.com or JoelLindsayEntertainment.com for the. Um, for the private event stuff, but you know, look me up. And if I mean, if there's anyone out there who is a musician, and if I can, I mean, I like I said, I've, I've been living in Pittsburgh for eleven years, and I've, I've been working as a professional musician pretty much the whole time. If there's anyone out there who has any questions, or you know, if I can offer any advice on on how to kind of carve out a, a career in in this town, I'll be happy to help any anyone out. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that, and hopefully our listeners will too. Uh, So thanks a lot. Uh, Until next time, Joel. Thanks, man.